0: CHAPTER Four OF THE KING'S DAUGHTER. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The King's Daughter by Pansy. CHAPTER Four Signing the Pledge. Thou art my Father, my God. Dell looked with amused eyes on the dainty little roll of peak and ribbon, and then suddenly glanced toward her father. Evidently he had heard the little lady's petition, for he shook out his paper with a disgusted air and muttered something that his daughter could not catch. For one moment she stood irresolute. It was a queer place to come to for signers to a temperance pledge, but the innocent little morsel, looking up at her, did not appreciate the difficulties. Dell's mind was very promptly made up. The first thing to do had come to her, and she meant to do it. "'Certainly I will sign it,' she said, in a bright voice. "'Why, you have several names here already. Well, I will put mine down, and then you will have seven.' and she moved with a brisk step toward the little writing-table. Her father spoke suddenly and more sternly than he had ever before spoken to her. "'Dell, what tomfoolery are you about now?' Dell waited until her rapid fingers had glided over the blank space, and left the name, Dell Bronson, in unmistakably clear letters, before she answered cheerily, "'I'm signing a temperance pledge, father.' "'Temperance fiddlestick,' Mr. Bronson said angrily while Dell serenely folded the pledge and returned it to the little maiden. "'Are you going to put your name on that thing?' "'I have done so, father.' "'Well, it is a pretty business for you to be about, I should think. You ain't in Boston now, and I reckon you better remember it. If your Uncle Edward hasn't taught you anything but to go against your father in this fashion, you may as well go back to him. I won't have such doings going on here, and you may as well know it first as last.' The little buff peak cast a frightened glance at the surly-looking man, hurriedly thrust the pledge into her mite of a basket, and moved briskly toward the door. Dell bowed and smiled her out, promised, in an undertone, to be present at the evening meeting if she could, then came back to her father. He had taken up his paper, but he still grumbled, and waxing louder as he received no answer, at last his words became distinct again. "'Do you know what you are about?' I'm dusting and rearranging this table. What is the matter, Father? Matter? Don't you know enough to know that these meddling fools who are sneaking around with pledges and coaxing folks to come to their confounded meetings are trying to ruin my business? No, sir, that isn't their object. They're trying to save drunkards. Save fools, said the man very crossly, and Dell answered promptly Yes, sir, they are undoubtedly fools, or they wouldn't need saving. "'but that's what we are trying to do.' "'Well, I don't choose to have a girl of mine make a fool of herself.' "'No, sir, I haven't the slightest intention of doing so. "'I have signed the pledge, you know.' "'The newspaper was angrily flung on the floor at this "'and the rough father said in his roughest tone, "'You talk like a fool. "'You had no business to put your name to that paper.' "'Dell turned from her dusting and looked with two bright, steady eyes at her father "'and spoke very quietly.' why not? Why not? Don't you know that I get my living and yours by selling rum? Truly Dell knew that, knew it to her bitter sorrow and shame. Her cheeks flushed, but she answered still steadily, yes, sir. And you want to help break down my business, do you? Pretty way to treat the business that clothes and feeds you. Father, said Dell with a clear voice and very determined eyes, do you want me to sell rum? ''No, of course not,'' he said testily. ''Nobody asked you to sell anything. What I want is...'' But she quietly interrupted him. ''Do you want me to drink it?'' And then there came to this father a sudden shiver, as he fancied this bright, handsome daughter of his standing in his bar-room drinking his liquor. He answered her in a very snarly way, but still promptly and decidedly, ''No, I don't.'' ''Very well, sir. I promised not to do either.'' That is what I meant by signing the pledge. It is not by any means the first one I have signed. I am very sorry that rum selling is your business. I would be willing to live on bread and water, and work hard for that, if you would give it up. I am not in sympathy with it, in the least. I expect to do everything in my power to hinder the sale and the use of rum. I don't mean to use it in any possible form. I mean to talk against it, and work against it, and pray against it, as long as I live it was a long speech for dell to make in some respects it was a strange one for a daughter to address to her father but dell you remember had been most carefully educated on this very subject she could not help having a pretty thorough knowledge of her father's character she could not help feeling the marked difference between him and her uncle edward she had resolved on a very straightforward course in speaking of this subject with her father she knew that she would have to go contrary to his views in many ways in nothing perhaps more frequently than in this matter. It surely was best to show her colors most decidedly at this first opportunity, and await the consequence. Her father was much less angry than she had supposed he would be. He knew much better than she did the very low ebb at which the temperance cause stood in the village. He knew he had supporters many and strong. He did not in the least fear the influence of the temperance people. They irritated him, but he contented himself with calling them fools and fanatics, and a few other rough and harmless names, and sneering at their efforts, which, be it known, were faint and weak enough to almost call for sneers instead of commendation, even from friends of the cause. Doll's outburst half-angered, half-amused him. She looked so pretty standing there before him, in her dainty dress, her bright eyes flashing, and her cheeks a brilliant red, so pretty and so utterly harmless, He could certainly afford to laugh, albeit he did it in a sneering way. Mighty becoming your hysterics are to you. I suppose that's the reason your uncle trained you in them. He always had an eye for them kind of things. Well, well, you must have something to do, I suppose, and I've no kind of objection to your amusing yourself in this fashion if you want to, so long as you don't plague me about it. An awful sight of good you'll find your talking and thinking and what not will do, "'and folks will call you a fool for trying to knock out your own underpinning. "'But that's neither here nor there, if you're suited.' "'And having talked himself into comparative good humor, "'Mr. Bronson lounged out of the room. "'Dell stood where he had left her, looking after him. "'She drew two or three quick, hard breaths. "'This, then, was her father. "'It rushed upon her with new and overwhelming force, "'the gulf between them. "'There was no common ground on which they met, in not one single thing could they seem to sympathize. Oh, to be at home once more, in her beautiful room, to feel herself again the center and joy of her uncle's home, to escape from these surroundings, the great hot kitchen, with its cross and filthy Irish girls, the dining-room with all the rough, ungainly set who gathered there to eat and stare, that awful bar-room with the smoking, spitting, drinking crew! Couldn't she go? How they missed her there, in that beautiful home! Who would miss her here? Her father would not object to her going back. Indeed, she had a vague feeling that he disliked the sort of restraint that he almost instinctively put upon himself in her presence. She knew that in some respects he was half afraid of her. She knew that she should only have to go to him with a determined air and announce her intention of returning to Boston by the afternoon train. He would stare and frown a little and grumble, and very likely he would even swear but it would end in sending Joe to the cars with her trunks. She knew it was too thoroughly understood that she was her Uncle Edward's adopted child to have her movements absolutely forbidden, or even very closely questioned. Should she go? The thought, the possibility, made her heart beat hard and fast, and for a moment it seemed to her that she must go at once, that very hour. But then, ah me! How all the difficulties and reasons why rushed in, the moment she lifted the gate, and let in that innocent sounding, but then. She looked around that cheery little morning-room which her skill and determination had brought to pass. How pure and sweet it was in the very center of this dreary old tavern! Must there not be something refining in the atmosphere and surroundings of the room, this little bit of her Boston home, set down here? Wouldn't he feel the difference after a while? She thought of that dining-room, clean and neat, almost bright now—what a dreadful room it was, that first time she looked in on it. The thought of the changes wrought in the kitchen, of the wine she had banished from the pudding-sauces, of the brandy-bottle filled for culinary purposes, that she had deliberately smashed—not much was this to do. Certainly very little could be gained so long as the hated poisons were so freely poured at the table— but there were at least two of the men who did not drink liquor at the table. They at least would not have the taste for it fostered by the food that they ate. There were numerous other changes that she had made and that she contemplated making. And besides all this, was he not after all her very own father? Should she desert him? She who that very morning prayed so earnestly to be helped and guided? Should she weakly yield to the struggle and run back to rest and peace? No, she wouldn't. He was her father, ignorant and coarse, and degraded though he was. Despite the chewing, and the spitting, and the smoking, and the drinking, though his clothing and body were so permeated with the fumes of tobacco, though his breath was so choked with the fumes of liquor that it made her faint to go near him, still she was his only child. There was no possibility of getting away from that fact. It made her fairly tremble with pain to think of it. What fathers she knew, grand noblemen! How lovingly she had seen some daughters lean on their father's arm, how reverently she had heard them pronounce the dear name! Her heart fairly ached with the pain, and the longing, and the hopelessness. And then suddenly, over this gloom, there broke Dell's rich sweet smile. A sudden thought had pressed home to her heart, and sudden mingling of sweet and true and wonderful words, mingling with and breaking up the sadness. My father, thou art the guide of my youth. Did an angel whisper those words in her ear? They sounded lovingly through her brain. She had longed for a father to lean upon, such as she had known other girls to have. She had sighed bitterly over her low estate. She had forgotten for a moment whose child she was, the king's daughter. She must not forget that. Truly she had a father whom not only all the earth, but all heaven adored. Oh, yes, she could ask counsel of her father. She could be guided by him in all things. He could not be mistaken. He would never die and leave her. He would never, never take his supporting arm away from her. Surely she could smile and be glad. She's a sharp one, Mr. Bronson told himself as he walked toward the bar room. Let her have her notions. Who cares? Don't hurt nobody. Won't do to treat her as if she was a baby or a common kind of a girl, for she ain't, that's so. She'll be scooting off to Boston first thing I know, if I don't mind my P's and Q's, and I should miss her, now that's a fact. Things ain't never gone so smooth like in this house, not since her mother died. As for them silly notions about temperance, she can't do no harm, and she'll get over them. I'll be easy with her. All girls have them. They think it makes em big and independent. Besides, I don't want her to drink. It's a nasty habit for women. I never kept no woman kind about me that would drink. I won't have them. I don't think it's decent. And Mr. Bronson drew himself up virtuously, and went straight to the bar and prepared himself a glass of brandy. As for Dell, she went to the kitchen and made her father the daintiest little pudding that milk and eggs and sugar and fruit, beaten and mashed— and foamed and otherwise mysteriously compounded could produce End of chapter 4 recording by trisha g